This is The Dugout. Every Tuesday at 1 with Bump and Stacy. Inside access to the clubhouse from Shannon Dre on Seattle Sports, the home of the Mariners. All right, this is The Dugout. It is all Mariners. Each Tuesday, 1 to 2 p.m., Bump and Stacy becomes... The dugout, and we are talking about this team. We're only five games into the season, but still so much to talk about. Joining us now to guide us through Mariners GM Justin Hollander. Justin, how's it going? Going fine. How are you? Well, uh, we just talked to you for opening day, and now we have a series plus a game to reflect on. Um, there's some good and uh, some not so good, but it's a fraction of the season. So everyone listening, no, do not overreact to anything, uh, but we are going to try to look at the small sample size we have. I'm going to start with the biggest name for this team heading in, Julio Rodriguez. What did you make of Julio's uh, first couple games here? I thought he's been one of our bright spots so far. I love where he's at approach-wise. I think you've seen him driving the ball to right center and right field. He took a couple walks last night. He's stolen some bases. Uh, He's played very good center field. Really, really pleased with how Julio has come out of spring training, particularly because he was gone uh, for some amount of time for the WBC. Julio is in a good spot right now. Hey, Justin, what do you think about uh, opening day and just the atmosphere? You guys made changes to the stadium. You got shorter lines. I mean, did you guys get any feedback? What was that that like? Opening day was great. Definitely the highlight of the season so far it was opening day. Uh, you know, the energy was great in the park. It was really cool. Uh, just the, the, the electricity that, that came from our fans. Everybody excited to be back in T-Mobile. It was, it was great. I enjoyed it all two and a half hours of opening day uh, from the first thing to the last. It was great. Uh, it was amazing. And uh, I'm just going to go to the weird question that's not comfortable to ask, but Justin, I'm going to do it because we know you. Uh, I know that fans are nervous about this offense. I also know that you as a front office are really excited about the pieces you've added. Um, when you look at, you know, guys like Teoscar Hernandez, there's a lot that fans still haven't seen, right? I mean, I know that that's how you're looking at some of the guys you've added. Yeah, I think in general, I think our team, I don't want to just talk Teo individually or Colton individually or the new guys. Like, we haven't fired on all cylinders yet. Um, we haven't played very well. You know, offensively, we haven't drawn walks. We haven't had a lot of homers so far. On the mound, we've given up too many walks. Mm-hmm. And that's just not characteristic of how we played in, you know, last season, the season before. That's sort of been our foundational mark is we control the strike zone. We make the plays defensively. We win close games because we don't make mistakes, and we have not played that way. So it's you know there's a lot of things that need to get going, but I can confidently say that you know guys like Teo and Colton haven't gotten going yet, and we we haven't seen the best of them yet. We got uh Robbie Ray on the the 15 day IL, and uh, the strength of this team has been the pitching staff. Um, so who do you expect to step up, and how are you feeling about Luis Castillo? I feel like he gets to reset things tonight um, when he takes the mound. Obviously, you always feel good when the Rock's on the mound. Uh, He was awesome on opening day. Uh, Looked like he picked up right where he left off at the end of the last season. It was great to see. Um, Losing Robbie's big. It's a a big deal for us. Robbie was incredible in the spring. Looked like his stuff had jumped to a new level. And then very clearly after the first inning, it, it appeared that something was going on. His velocity dipped and he was having trouble commanding the baseball. I feel very fortunate that, you know, it's not more serious than it is. Well, we'll definitely miss him while he's out. He's a huge part of what we do, both in the way he performs and, in, you know, in the length he performs. Robbie takes the ball and he goes deep into the games, and that allows us to rest other pitchers on days when he's pitching because you know 
that he's going to have the ball in the fifth, the sixth, the seventh inning of a game. And that's very helpful for the entirety of the roster to have that comfort. Flex will take the ball for Robbie tomorrow. Uh, and, you know, it's, we are fortunate that we have pitching depth. It's an area of strength for our team. But everybody will need to step up while Robbie's out uh, to make up for the loss. I know it's the 15-day IL, and he'll probably need a little bit of a rehab assignment. Is there any chance we see Robbie before May, or are you guys anticipating a May return? I think that when we when we got the diagnosis, we anticipated six weeks, so yeah. that would be into May. Okay. When you, um, I love baseball and the analytics and all that stuff. And when I'm watching the games, I'm obviously the ball is not going to fly the way it does in Arizona. Right? I'm telling people like I'm not making excuses, but this is legit. <laughs> this happens when it gets cold up here. Um, do you guys take that into account? Is there data for that when you guys are looking at uh, what you guys are doing at the plate? Yeah, I mean, it's everybody knows. There's no secret that, especially early in the season, uh, the ball does not travel as well uh, in T-Mobile as it does in other places. That's not an excuse. That's just a reality of the environment that we play in. Both teams play in the same environment. We have to find a way to get more runners to touch home plate than the other team. You know, everybody plays in the in the same park. You know, it's not like we're playing in one place and the the, the other team gets to play in a different environment. That's you know, that's just the reality of T-Mobile. It is pitcher friendly, particularly in the early months of the season. Um, a bit more of like a step back kind of question uh, rather than about what's happened so far this season. There were conversations about Cleveland uh, last year. They looked like it this year, kind of playing small ball offense. And then there's other clubs that obviously lean toward the home run because they have these power hitters. What kind of offense do you guys envision? Like, Justin, when you build the team, what would you ideally love to see as an offense? I'd like to see us hit more homers. <laughs> um, you know, it's, I think that's a function of the way we're built is, you know, the guys in the middle of our order. Um, we, we will, we, when we're right, we will draw walks. Mm-hmm. We will hit it over the fence. Situationally, we'll, we'll move runners over. We'll get guys home from third. We haven't done a lot of that so far. Obviously Cleveland's roster is just geared a little different than ours. Uh, more contact hitters, uh, more high average, less power. Uh, in general, and that's you know there are different ways to build a roster. We're obviously open to building our roster or playing the kind of offense that our players are geared towards. That's just kind of how our like present roster is geared. Is you know ideally hit it over the fence, hit the gaps, you know drive the ball around the field for extra bases. Speaking of homers, um, Ty France has one of the two so far this season, man. What is it about his approach at the plate that makes him successful? Because I watch him, and there's just a calmness that I get when I see Ty when he's at the plate. Ty's just a good hitter. Um, I think that the, the homers are just a function of him being a good hitter. He obviously uses the whole field when he's going well, uh, and we saw the, the homer to right field on opening day. Uh, he has a knack for spraying the ball over the field and hitting it where it's pitched. He's kind of an old school throwback in that kind of way. Uh, he makes a ton of contact. He drives the ball to the gaps and he drives the ball over the field. So it's uh, it's fun to watch Ty when, when he's in the kind of place he's in right now. We saw it for most of the first half last year where he's just really tough to pitch to. And he's a particularly tough out with runners on base and runners in scoring position. Is he someone that surprised you? Like who on this, uh, maybe particularly the lineup, kind of surprised you most with the kind of player you thought they were and then the player they became? Wow, that's a great question. I do think that Ty has exceeded uh, or at least hit the threshold of what we thought he would be when we made the deal with San Diego to acquire him. He's someone that we'd had our eye on all the way through the minor leagues Mm -hmm. because he'd always hit. He'd always been a good hitter. Um, But he was a little older and he was kind of overlooked in their system. And we thought, 
you know, if we give this guy a run, if we give him an opportunity, is he just going to keep being this kind of hitter once he gets to the big leagues? And and he has, to his credit. He, you know, he basically jumped from triple A to the big leagues and stayed one of the best hitters in the in, in the league from the moment we uh, we acquired him. And that's that's been, I wouldn't say a pleasant surprise, but it has exceeded our expectations with how quickly that transition happened for Ty. George Kirby, a young talent for um, the team, of course, didn't have the the greatest outing, but he still showed some stuff, man. But he's so young. I, I see those those outings and I go, man, this kid is learning so much on the job. Like he's going to benefit from these moments. Um, what do you think uh, he learned from his last outing? You know, he made a mistake with a changeup to, to Shohei Otani. When you make mistakes to Shohei Otani, usually he makes you pay. I thought George overall threw the ball well. Uh, he got a lot of swings and misses. His stuff was good. Um, you know, a lot of balls fell in. They hit some balls hard. They looked like they were on uh, the fa- on the fastball in particular early in counts. You know, that's I think the lessons for George to learn. You know, I think he talked about it after the game, moving them off the plate a little, pitching to both sides instead of just away, away, away. Those are things that he'll learn over time. If there's one thing that we've seen from George, he makes adjustments very quickly. He's able to take something from one outing and carry it forward right into the next outing very quickly. I, I no concerns about George, and I actually thought the stuff coming out of his hand looked great last night. Hey, what do conversations look like? You can't tell us everything, but just kind of the tone, demeanor, environment behind the scenes um, if you don't get off to the start you want. Obviously, you guys know it's a long season, um, but it's fair for anyone to be like, ah, I kind of, I wish we would have taken that opening series. I mean, does anything change behind the scenes? Does anyone take it seriously? Are there conversations or is it just kind of business as usual? I mean, I think everyone takes it seriously. You yeah. you always, there's a very competitive group, but there's a difference between taking it seriously or, you know, w- the will or want to win mm-hmm. and turning the screws too tight where you're, you put yourself in a position where you get away from the things that you believe in get away from your own process. And now everyone's trying to be a hero. Yeah. We need to continue to do the things and preach the things that we were really believe in, which is, you know, just circling back. We need to take our walks, swing at the right pitches offensively, and we need to throw strikes on the mound. That's probably been the, the area of biggest concern or disappointment for me as we've gone through five games. It's just our lack of ability to control the strike zone so far mm-hmm. as a group. It's not one person. It's not one person's fault or some somebody that's holding us back. Just as a group, we haven't really done those things very well on both sides of the ball. And I think if we get back to that, the results will follow. Obviously, it's still early in the season, but when you go through skids like this, um, I always like to find the leaders and see what their body language is like and what their language is like. Um, have you been around the team, and, and, and what's the leadership like um, leading up to this game? I, I love our group, and everybody leads in their own way. I would never ask someone to do something that wasn't natural for them. You know, some guys lead through levity. Some guys lead through making things light and fun. Some guys lead through their their preparation, their behaviors, their body language. Other guys lead vocally through words. And I think we have a nice mix of all of those different types of leaders on our team. You know, everybody has to do it their own way. Mm-hmm. Somebody goes down there and, and just says, oh, you have to be vocal. And the person's not naturally vocal. I think everybody else will see through that. So having gone through this last year and this group having achieved something last year, I think they will naturally fill the the leader role and the way that they feel the most comfortable with. Uh, 
Hey, looking at uh, the uh, pitching staff in particular, it was uh, ended up being a great thing that you guys had Flexen. I know there were conversations about like, oh, would they trade Marco? Would they trade Flexen? Um, and an embarrassment of riches turned out to be something that was badly needed. Um, you guys have drafted so well and developed so well with pitching. What do you think has been behind so much of that? I think it's a combination uh, of what we do in the minor leagues combined with our amateur scouting group really understanding what's important to us. We don't draft something we don't think can, we can develop well, and we don't try and develop someone um, based on a, a tool or a skill that they don't have when we drafted them. So a combination of Scott Hunter and our amateur scouting group, along with Max Wiener, uh, our minor league pitching development group, Andy McKay, obviously, now Justin Tool, our farm director, really try and create that synergy on the mound. You know, through what we talked about all the offseason with conversations, I was very confident we weren't going to be the first team in history to have too much pitching depth. <laughs> you have the depth for a reason because these things happen uh, and you don't want to find yourself shorthanded. So this is why you continue to draft and develop pitching, why it's so important, because you never know when someone will have an injury. And if you don't have pitching, you, you don't you don't have a chance to be competitive every night. All right, just random question. I thought about this um, the other day when for opening day, there were about, what, five all-stars out there throwing the first pitch. Marshawn was one of them. What's the best first pitch you've seen out of, like, not not necessarily a baseball player, a non-baseball player? Well, I actually was concerned that Marshawn was going to hurt Ty. Uh, he threw a <laughs> rocket to Ty. Um, best first pitch I've ever seen. Wow, that's a good question. Uh you know, I've seen some really bad ones. Those ones stand out more than the really good ones. I always admire anyone who will go to the bump and stand up there and throw. Uh, usually people go in front. So I think the one that obviously stands out for everybody is, you know, uh, post 9-11 when the president threw a strike right. uh, after Jeter told him not to bounce it. I mean, that's a lot of pressure for anybody. So th- those stand out um, as moments. I hope if I'm ever asked to do it, people don't remember it as, you know, the, the 50 cent, like, throw it sideways type sound. <laughs> Uh, I don't have a great answer to your question other than to say that the the bad ones stand out more than the good ones. You said you hope no one ever asks you to do it? I hope if they ever do, I don't bounce it. Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay. Or throw it it sideways. Thankfully, you'll be able to, like, Uh, practice, right? Like, you can get a couple rounds in there, you know, park is closed to people, you can practice. Yeah, there's that episode of The West Wing that was, uh, for those that follow the show, where the president's in the, uh, the residence and he, you know, he's throwing it off the wall and he knocks over a lamp. And, uh, you know, I, there's probably not an amount of throws that I could take where I'd feel comfortable doing that in front of 45,000 people. Fair, fair. All right, he is Mariners GM Justin Hollander, who will not be throwing out the first pitch tonight, but who was kind enough to join us to talk uh, about this team and what they've built so far. Justin, thank you so much for joining us on the dugout. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. Joining us right now in studio, Brandon Gustafson. Um, so we're going to do kind of like a roundtable type thing at 145. But if you guys have some questions that you want to filter in now, you can. 866-979-3776. Continuing the dugout uh, with Brandon, who um, writes, uh, well, he covers all of the Seattle sports teams for seattlesports.com. Uh, but he's also in studio with us to talk a bit about this team. I accidentally gave you really the high, high chair. Yeah, you oh want to swap to no, this it's one? Not- it's okay. okay. We'll roll with it. You're barely on the camera. I know. <laughs> I know. One of the chairs I'll in here is kind of dysfunctional. Yeah, it's like it's, it's going to slowly go down uh, while you're talking. <laughs> um, Brandon, let's start with uh, the ugly. It's, first of all, five games in. And I keep saying, oh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Um, but then 
It's hard. Part of me is. Yeah. And I, you can't help it. It's natural. Uh, you have some offensive numbers that you sent us that I don't love, but then we're going to make sense <laughs> of them. What do you got? They are ugly, yes. Yeah. So uh, they rank 28th in team average, on-base percentage, love and it. OPS. So they're hitting 188 collectively. Not and, 30th, important. Yeah, exactly. So there's actually two teams that are hitting worse than them's right now <laughs> in those categories. But you look at the, they're only getting production from four guys. Julio, Ty France, Gino Suarez, Cal Raleigh. Those four collectively are hitting 302. So it's like, oh, awesome. These four guys, four of our like big bangers, four of our main run producing guys that hit at the top of our order, in the middle of our order, those guys are coming through. Yesterday was a prime example of that. Gino and Ty and Julio were all doing some great things yesterday. But everybody else is hitting 0-9-0. They're 8 for 89. <laughs> so you have you have that that quartet that is making up nearly three-fourths of your hits right now and basically all of your run production. So you're hoping that it would be like Teoscar Hernandez, too. He's off to a slow start. But it's just like any other one guy doing, you know, really anything for this team right now would do a lot. JP's like the next best guy. He's sitting like 214. He hasn't, you know, he has like one extra base hit. But they just they need to get at least like one or two more guys going because then it's you're running into what a lot of these Mariners teams over the last five, six years ran into, which is, man, the top of the order, maybe even like part of the middle of the order, they're doing some good things, but the back half, the back third of that lineup just isn't giving you enough to actually turn the lineup over or give your best guys chances to hit with enough runners on base to, to you know, contend Make for in some of these games. Yeah. Exactly. Now, I'm not, I'm not on the, uh, the panic bus. I understand how this game goes, BG. It's a, sl- it's a um, slow burn, Bob. Slow it's burn. a slow burn. But if there's one player where I'm like, okay, I can't wait until he gets going, it's Teoscar Hernandez, yeah. man. Because, you know, they they moved around in a couple spots, I believe, so far. And what are you seeing out of him? Is it an easy fix? Is he, is he I don't know. Just tell me what yeah. you're seeing there. <laughs> it's just timing. I mean, it, it just looks like he's not on time with the fastball. And obviously a guy like Teoscar Hernandez and really any hitter in baseball, you want to hit the fastball. If you're not hitting the fastball, your numbers are going to dip big time. We saw that with Jesse Winker a lot last year. Uh, you know, he's never going to have a lot of success on the breaking ball. Even last year when he put up some good numbers, he still was hitting like 199 against breaking balls or something like that. So just got to get the timing down. The The game he had, not yesterday, but the day before on Sunday, uh, he he just missed hitting two out. He ended mm-hmm. up hitting a double. They're both like 108 plus off the bat. So like that's a good sign at least. But uh, I know that Mariner fans aren't going to want to hear this. But if you go look at Teoscar Hernandez's numbers and splits in his career, April and May are the worst months of his career. So it's not that he's like some slow starter by any means because right. he still produces and, and whatnot. But compared to these other months, you know, like the weather, he heats, he heats up in the summer. So that, that might be something where, you know, you're waiting a little bit for like the, the, the all-star type guy to come through. But he's still a guy who posts and typically does produce. It just usually takes at least a little bit for that to get going when you look at those numbers. Talk about the later version of, of Teoscar Hernandez then. When he does start to heat up, what makes him good as a player? Uh, does he, you know, get on those fastballs? You know, I know that he is a hard hitter. Like what yeah. kind of player do you see? I mean, he's a... He it's it's a bit like we saw with Julio where it's just this is a guy who can power to all fields, just absolutely lining the baseball across the yard. And it's not always home runs. Sometimes you're going to hit a 112 mile an hour ball and it's going to go into the gap. Right. Like so that's that's who Teoscar Hernandez is. He's one of the premier guys at just hitting the baseball hard. When you hit the baseball hard, good things are typically going to happen for you from a statistical standpoint. So uh, as you see that timing it down, particularly against the fastball, if he's getting himself into good hitters counts and getting that fastball, you're going to see those numbers come up big time and that you'll see him be maybe one of the two or three best run producers on this team, along with a guy like Julio and Ty France and Cal Raleigh. 
I love seeing Julio run the bases. It's he's fun. Gl- he's glide, man. Now there, you know, there's a couple of things that I would fix with his form, but you know what? He's a big boy, and, and you, he's you, running. Why don't you shoot him a text and just hey, let me train you? I'll text him real quick. I'll, yeah. I'll fix you a little bit, but no, he oh looks good. But um, that's part of his game. <laughs> Did Ty Francis add something to his game, dude? That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. Like, so uh, if 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 people follow me on Twitter at the B Gustafson, one thing that's was funny over the weekend was. Uh, you saw a few reporters talk about it. like Ty France was was talking about how his MLB the show rating was bad and he yeah. was like a 78 and normal. It, it's one of those things where if you're an 80 plus, you're like a gold player and he's a silver and he was like, come on, man. And he's a he's an all star last year. Right. He's a, he's a, he's a good player. So I so I caught up with him about that. And we did like this like joke 90 second interview. And he was like, I need to get my speed at least to the 2080 scale because he's like ranked in 11. <laughs> and he's like, I'm a good fielder. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a good hitter. I made yeah. one error last year. What What's the deal? But no, it was funny. I mean, it, you can you could really tell he was just kind of keying in. He's like, this guy's not looking at me. He took off before the guys like kick even happened. And, you know, is he going to be someone that goes steals like five plus bags? Probably not. But just just the timing aspect of it, yeah. like that, that was really impressive. Where he's just like. All right, dude. Like, yeah. like, bring it. Let's go. I appreciated the look back toward the dugout that he had of like, like, yeah, hey, I just did like, it. Like, like that. Like, hey, Cal Raleigh, like, you're up next. Let's go, dude. Yeah. Oh, I love just, you know, let's get Cal and Ty just stealing a bunch of bags. That would be awesome. Oh, God. Um, all right. Well, let's talk about uh, pitching. Um, earlier this morning on Brock and Salk, they talked about, look, offense hasn't been great to start, but pitching is the identity of this team. Now, um, I would love to see the offense uh, sharpen up sure. <laughs> still. Yeah, of course. Um, what have you seen from pitching so far? So I think they've gotten they've gotten two really good starts so far. Luis Castillo mm-hmm. and Logan Gilbert looked awesome. They were mm-hmm. pounding the zone. They were getting ahead. I, I thought Gilbert especially. I've, I've talked to you guys about this over the last year or so. Like He's always been fastball heavy. The secondary pitches haven't quite developed. I thought that the the slider, the curveball, even the changeup he's mixing in, I thought they all looked really good. Like He looked like a four-pitch guy, which mm-hmm. was really impressive. Outside of like the big, you know, the Munoz, the Brash, Seawald, the pen really hasn't gotten going yet. And in just in general, they're walking too many guys. They're they're among the worst in baseball in walks given up. And for a team that's predicated on dominate the zone, control the zone, that's not going to work. They have the fourth most walks issued in baseball. And a lot of that has been the bullpen. You look at their last two losses. They walked 11 guys, five and a half a game. One, that's not going to cut it. Two, half those runs are scoring. So you're you're giving up free bases and like yesterday Matt Festa walked a guy he he comes in he has like the 789 pocket right and he walks a guy turns it over to the leadoff spot and then Taylor Ward hits a home run like that that's the stuff that can't happen they, so they they need to be a little better in and around the zone and then also you have on the flip side George Kirby who pounds the zone he was a little too in the middle of the plate. He was getting hit around pretty hard. Guys are able to be aggressive when you know that you're in and around the zone like that. So need to live live a little more on the edges there. But it just, you know, the amount of strikes, the quality of strikes, that's something that outside of a few starts and they're kind of key bullpen guys, that, mm-hmm. that's been lacking so far. You took the pup to the game last night. I did. I saw the video <laughs> and it looks like he knows where he's at and where he's going. He's taking it all in. How, how was that experience? Oh my god! You know, it, it's so fun. Uh, Emily and I, we, we took her dad and, and Maverick, and it was it was such a good time. Like we we took him for a long walk beforehand. He's he's almost two, so he's super high energy. Uh-huh. So it's always this worry of like, is this going to be too much for him? Where he's just wiggling around the whole time, but. First three, four innings, he's just kind of having a good time. He's trying to talk to everybody in our rows. There was a lady 
uh, in the row in front of us a little bit to the right. He just went like put his head on her shoulder and she was just petting him for like a whole half inning, which was hilarious. But then he just kind of napped and was just hanging out. And then we went walked on the bases and he perked right up again. He's like, all right, we're going for a walk. Like, let's go. (laughs) No, it's super fun. It's one of the cooler things that that the Mariners do every every single year. I think they have five or six of those this season. And I know we're going to try to take Maverick out to a few of them. I'm obviously, you know, two of my favorite things in the world, baseball and dogs. So it's like that that was like a perfect night for me outside of it just being a little chilly. I asked for some questions uh, from listeners and uh, I'm probably going to have to table them now at this point, Curtis. Right? Yeah. Curtis says, yes, get out of here. Wrap All right. it up. Brandon Gustafson, uh, kind enough to join us uh, to talk Mariners here for a little mini roundtable. Thanks, Brandon. Yeah, thanks, guys. All right. Dave Sims joins us next. You're listening to The Dugout, Dugout. every Tuesday at 1 with Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports Station, the home of the Mariners. You are listening to The Dugout. Joining us now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline, it's Dave Sims, Mariners broadcaster. Dave, how's it going? Doing well. Doing well. Good to hear you guys again. Good to see you the other day on opening day. It was a lot of fun. It was, and we were really, really excited for opening day. It was a fantastic opening day, and then the Mariners lost four straight. No one's panicking way too early in the season. I'm just wondering if there's anything to take from it, right? Like, what do you do with this small amount of information, Dave? Game time, 640, show up. (laughs) (laughs) Simple as that. You guys... It's not a heck of a lot to overthink. You know, just do your daily routine, keep plugging along, and that's you know that's one of the beauties of baseball—the up and down of it. I mean, come on, this is a team that last year was uh, what ten, eleven games under five hundred. Mm-hmm. That put a fourteen-game winning streak together and got back into it. A whole bunch of factors started clicking in the right direction, and uh, you know to make the playoffs. So, I, I, I be, there's no panic. I didn't even. I didn't even have to stick my, my wet my finger and stick it up in the air and see. There's, <laughs> you know, it, 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 you know what? It's called baseball. Yeah. This isn't a old team, but it's an experienced team, especially going off of yeah. last year with all these guys getting that experience. Um, I mean, how does that factor into a four-game losing streak? I mean, guys are just going to show up and, and lean on what they learned about themselves last year, correct? Well, you got to remember too. I mean, like when you were playing, Buff, when you were playing in co- high school and college, you go through stuff like this. I mean, so not, it's just it's a four-game losing streak at this level. I mean, most of these guys, most of these guys are like super alpha males, and they they were the, the stud, they were the dude at their place in high school and or college, and they've been through this before. So that's just the nature of baseball. I, I, it's such, it's you know, maybe outside of golf, probably the most mental game you got to that we have to deal with, and 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 the the factors that go into it and, you know, the fact that your superstar failing 70% of the time tells you how difficult this game is. I know we're talking uh, baseball right now. I'm going to interject to say bump has uh, requested kindly that I watch the masters uh, beginning on Thursday, Dave, I assume that you don't have to be asked to watch. Uh, no, no, <laughs> you know, seven, my first year. And we went to Cleveland at almost like to the day uh, on the schedule. Yeah. And we got that first, what did we play, four and a half, five innings or something, and it got snowed out and weathered out. And then the next three days, uh, we got to watch the Masters. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not wishing and hoping for that same scenario. I can always uh, use the uh, DVR and watch the Masters and go on golf and all that stuff. But, uh, you know, that that's one of the great signature calendar dates uh, uh, in the world of sports. So, yeah, you definitely got to hook into it. Yeah, they've asked her for thirty minutes. I know she's not. I committed crazy to thirty minutes. Like I committed to thirty minutes. So she's you gotta start 
somewhere. Exactly. <laughs> She's going to give me 30. Um, you know, uh, Dave, we've seen some guys, you know, even though there's a four-game skid, right, we've seen Julio play some good ball, Suarez, Cal, Ty France. So if there's, there's any positives that come out of that is you got your four dogs out there doing it, and then you have Castillo on the mound tonight. I'm expecting them to kind of tweak some things and, and get it going again here tonight. That's why I call him a stopper. I mean, a guy, you know, he's flat-out stud. Love to watch him do that little pump. You know, he pumps his fist, you know, raises that knee up and pumps his fist. I love that. And the guy's a great competitor with, you know, just fabulous stuff. And, you know, he, he's a guy that's going to surely capable of stopping a losing streak. So mm-hmm. he, he's a good guy to have on the mound. And you know, I, guess, I think everybody has faith in all the pitchers. It's, you know, just right now, it's just a matter of getting the offense going. And I think that, you know, given the track record, if you look at Teoscar Hernandez, I mean, hit that bullet off the wall the other day, missed the home run by a couple of feet. I, you know he's going to come around. I mean, consistently, he's a you know he's a big home run guy. He's always has a good average. Hits the ball very hard consistently among the leaders in that category. I mean, Colton Wong's eventually going to break out of it. I liked it what JP did last night. Hit mm-hmm. the hard double right center field. That was a very encouraging sign. And maybe he's returning to the form that he showed uh, coming out of the gate last year before you know he injured his back and then he tried to come back. He came back too soon and affected his hitting the rest of the way, but. It's a good team. I mean, all the predictions. I mean, I don't think anybody, the national writers, or even the local guys, who made predictions about this team. I don't think they're ready to flush it down the, you know, down the toilet right now. So, hey, it's April. What's today's date? It's April four. Come on. Right. Uh, you might have just answered this question, but I'm asking the off chance that you have a different name uh, of the guys that haven't yet quite going. Again, it's really early. Um, so I'm talking like back half of the lineup kind of guys who's someone where you're like, oh, I know it's just around the corner. Like he's he's ready to pop and he's gotten so close. I can say that about just about everybody. I yeah. mean, you know, Ty Falwell, uh, Julio's off to a good start. And, you know, duh, what else is new? Um, <laughs> I mean, I look for They have a lot of faith in Tommy Lestella that, you know, he's a bat, a real skilled bat the ball guy. I think everybody's capable of breaking out because, mm-hmm. you know, nobody's going to be hitting sub 100 for, <laughs> for the entire season. That ain't going to happen. So, I, you know, like we always say with some of the superstars, when you see superstars off to a start, like Jose Ramirez, let's get out of town before he figures some things out. And I think, um, I mean, the Mariner, I think the Mariner offense is in that same type of category that somebody's in for a rude awakening uh, sooner and rather than later. We saw Cal with a night off the other day, and then we spoke to Service, and he said he's going to try to get JP um, more days off this year with Dylan Moore being hurt. Um, how soon do you think he'll get a day off? I know we got uh, Ham. The Ham. I always want to say that. Sam you say Haggerty. Ham Swaggerty. I don't know why I say that. Sam Haggerty, um, who's serviceable there. How soon do you think until we see JP? But then when you see something like last night where he gets a hold of one, do you kind of want to wait on it and, and let him find his groove? Well, it's way too. I mean, come on, the guy's young. And he's at, he's at the peak of his physical uh, capacities. Uh, there's no reason to even give him a blow right now, especially with uh, you know Dylan Moore. You know, could be back in the next what today's the fourth, so you know he could be back by mid month. Let's hope. And then once you get that, then you can start rotating guys and, and keep them fresh because you know, the the deal is and the hope is to be played not only playing in October but deep in October. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked about Luis Castillo, that half of the pitching matchup, but let's go ahead and uh, look at the other half. L.A. has Jose Suarez. Uh, obviously, in the lineup, you got Otani, Mike Trout. I mean, this is a tough squad. They've gotten a lot of criticism in the past for their rotation, but um, we know Otani's great. Tell us a bit about Suarez. 
Well, I remember as a real <laughs> last year, <laughs> I have a, a full ride picture of him right now, but I just remember a couple, three times that I remember seeing him. He was tough and he got fairly deep in the game. Yeah. I think this year with, uh, with the uh, Angels, I was talking to uh, Phil Nevin, their manager, and their GM, Perry Manassi, and they were real happy with the four or five guys that they brought in because their offense was scuffling big time. That was one of the reasons why they had so many problems last year. Uh, they're pitching in a rank reasonably well, but uh, they're hitting outside of Chapmontani. Uh, they, they needed help. They think they picked it up with veteran guys like Drury and guys like that. So we'll see. All right, he is Mariners broadcaster Dave Sims. Very busy day. Kind enough to join us on the dugout. And Dave, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks, Dave. Be back. Thanks. Be well. Take care. All right, today's Pizza Hut pitching matchup. Luis Castillo on the mound for Seattle against L.A.'s Jose Suarez. Thank you, Dave, for our preview of that one. Uh, coming up next, we're wrapping up uh, not only our stay here, but also the dugout with Shannon Dreyer. I got some questions for Shannon. If you guys have any more, you can text him in now, 866-979-3776. Shannon Dreyer's next. You're listening to The Dugout every Tuesday at 1 with Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports Station, the home of the Mariners. Shannon Dreyer joining us now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. You are listening to The Dugout, wrapping things up with our Mariners insider. Shannon, how's it going? It's going. How are you guys? We are well. Um, I can't say everyone on the text line is, though. We have some nervous Mariners fans. Now, we have plenty of Mariners fans who are feeling completely fine. They're like, I'm excited to head to the park tonight, not worried about anything. Uh, And then I've certainly seen questions, and I'm actually going to start with a listener question rather than one of my own, um, because I think this listener question sums up some of what some fans are nervous about. So throwing this your way. Um, They said, look, I know that pitching is part of this team's identity. And even though it hasn't been perfect, I have no worries about it because I know it's good. But offense was a question. And now that it's not great, how do they dig themselves out of it? Um, What are we digging out of after five games? That's where we're starting. But I think what they're worried about is like, (laughs) oh, I was so nervous about the offense. Yeah. You play more games and you wait and you see what they actually are. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know that, you know, it's there's although no, I shouldn't give too much of an excuse. They had a good year last year. No, the offense, it did struggle with runners in scoring positions. Mm -hmm. So that is something that you do kind of hyper-focus on, and rightly so. It would be good to see those guys from third come in, but it is way too soon to say that this is a failure. I mean, we saw our first left-handed lineup yesterday. Yeah, That's the first time we've seen, and that's a lineup they're going to run out against lefties, and it should be better. A.J. Pollock against lefties is better than anything they had on this team last year, Julio Rodriguez included. So let's wait and see. What happens there? Shannon, um, we're all interested to see what Jared Kelnick looks like this year. Again, no panic on my end either. But um, what have you thought about his at-bat so far? I think they've been okay. I think, you know, I think he looked great in the first game. And I, I think that you do. He is going to strike out. You tell people that right now. He is going to be a higher strikeout person. You know who else strikes out a decent amount of time? Julio Rodriguez. So, it, it's you know, there are some hitters where you do sacrifice a little bit, and it does turn up in the strikeout department. He's going to be one of them. Uh, But I do like what I've seen. Uh, I think the most important thing that we've seen is he hasn't panicked at this point and started to change things rapidly. Uh, We did see one change, and it's kind of a different situation. Yesterday, uh, J.P. Crawford's game totally jumped out at me, and that Mm -hmm. is exactly what you want to see from J.P. Crawford. You want him at the bottom of the order, 
getting on base for the guys at the top of the order, and he did a beautiful job of it with a walk and a couple of singles and ended up scoring two runs. And that was very different than what we have seen from him, and I asked Scott Service about that after the game, and he pointed out that JP actually has made a change, that he has shortened up a little bit with his swing. And the fact that he's making a change right now is very different because he really never found it in spring training. So it's not too soon for changes there. And I think it's great that the hitting coaches got out there and said, okay, we got to do something now. And it wasn't based in knee jerk on five games. It's what they saw throughout the length of spring training with Jared. They liked what he did during spring training. He liked what he did, very comfortable with it. And they kind of believe in what he is doing right now. So uh, I, again, too soon, let's, take a look and, and give him a little bit more uh, length of lineup or length of runway here. And just for reference, teams generally give teams four to six weeks before yeah. they start making decisions on offense, especially. So, you know, we are, we are just at the very beginning of this right now. Hey, uh, Shannon, uh, one of the best things about Ty France's spring wasn't any particular number or slash line. It was that he was healthy, right? I mean, toward the end of the year, he was dealing with that wrist injury. You've interviewed him about that, where he um, admitted that it was a factor in, in a bit of a slump that he was having. Now he's healthy and importantly, playing really well, leading the team in almost every category again, five days. It always feels ridiculous early on in the early dugouts that we're going to do, being like leading the team after five games. But it's still great news because of the player we know he is what do you like about his at-bats what do you see well a couple of things first of all I love that you say leading the team I I don't think you know sometimes you hear uh, averages mentioned and it's far too soon for that you know he's one for 13 he's four for 12 that's kind of better leading the team is you know comparing perhaps to what he was last year but you know you don't want to go with an average because a two-hit game or an over Mm -hmm. is going to change that dramatically right now but he is a veteran and he is somebody that you know what he is when he is well. And that's what we're seeing right now. And that was kind of one of the quiet keys that for me, when I looked at this team and a little bit of a concern because, you know, it was the first time I had doubted Ty France as a hitter was last year because when he came over from San Diego and in the pandemic shortened season, and if you put, you know, half of this season together with the other half, he hit 300 for a full season and then some, and then we saw him fall off. And it does look like it was that injury that he got into bad habits when, when he uh, sustained that and was trying to protect a little bit. And what we're seeing right now is what we saw before. Again, it is early. You're going to need to watch more of that, but it's, he's funny. He's the one guy that doesn't change. What I see at Ty France right now is what I saw two years ago from him and what it was three years and probably five years before that he is very much the exception to the rule he knows what he's doing up there doesn't work with a hitting coach he works with his own with uh with the the mariners hitting coaches but in the off season goes to work on his own knows he has a different swing knows what he needs to do and right now it's great to see the success that he's having because i don't think he doubted it but it sure doesn't hurt to see it shannon it's going to be great to see luis castillo on the mound tonight but what about the guy on the other side jose suarez what do we know about this left-handed pitcher no, he's given them, they haven't seen a ton of them, but he has, um, he held them down pretty much. They just got a couple of runs off of him last year. But again, and, and this is why I'm so interested to see these lefties, is I think they should look different against lefties this year. They struggled against lefties last year, and he was part of that uh, in a couple of games. 
Now let's see what they can do with him this year. I'm glad they are seeing another lefty kind of back-to-back. Shannon, I didn't leave you quite enough time, so as quickly as possible, just a quick preview of the pitching matchup tonight. Luis Castillo on the mound for Seattle against L.A.'s Jose Suarez. Uh, It's (laughs) game two between the two of them, and I think the biggest thing that you're going to see from Luis Castillo is you need him to come out and be the stopper be the ace and that's part of being a true ace is being able to do that and again lefty on the other side i would really really love to see pollock in particular get going all right she is mariners insider shannon dreyer make sure you're following her coverage of this game at shannon dreyer you can listen to her on the post game show and also you're reading her work you better be at seattlesports.com shannon thank you so much for joining us thanks shannon you got it all right this is the dugout you can hear from some of your favorite mariners voices and our mariners insider shannon dreyer every single tuesday it's always going to be the final hour of bump and stacy we switch from bump and stacy to the dugout be here we only have five games to react to but next week we'll have more and then more and then more (laughs) and finally we'll get a better picture of this team i cannot wait for that to start to develop so it's so long for us for today wyman and bob coming up next for michael bumpus for curtis rogers i'm stacy rost don't go anywhere you're listening to seattle sports